This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. There's a commercial running on TV right now. It's for Verizon Fios Internet. It features two sisters who really love to stream videos. We stream so much. A lot of times Alyssa is watching TV on her laptop, using her phone, also using her tablet. I'm really good at multitasking. The point of the commercial? If you and the people you live with have a lot of devices, love going on the internet, and stream a lot of videos, you should be buying more internet speed. And Verizon is far from the only company using that message. Here's a commercial from Xfinity. More devices, more apps, more streaming. Today, we need more speed than ever to stay connected. So we're making the best in-home Wi-Fi experience even better. We're giving our customers faster speeds and including them in our most popular... Three and a half years ago, two reporters at the Wall Street Journal set out to answer the questions, what are these commercials selling you? And do you really need it? And in an investigation that is the first of its kind, that involved researchers from Princeton and the University of Chicago and a panel of over 50 journalists around the country, we finally have the answer. Those internet packages that providers sell us faster make basically no difference. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Wednesday, August 21st. Speeds is how the whole business is sold and marketed to you. They sell packages based on you're going to get up to 100 megas per second or 300, 500, a gigabit. And we're told that you need speed to do all the things you need to do on the Internet. Shalini Ramachandran was one of the reporters working on the project. When you buy Internet for your home or apartment, usually you're offered a bunch of different options for speed. Those speeds are based on something called megabits per second. And the idea is, the more, the better. They're telling you that you need a lot of speed in order to be able to stream a lot of stuff. We were looking at an advertisement from Cox Communications, and they were saying with lower tiers, it's like, probably surf the web, do a little email. But in order to, you know, really stream a lot, you're going to need a lot more than that. And we see this kind of marketing from a lot of folks where the sort of lower tiers is like, yeah, you might be able to send a note to your mom, but if you really want to, you know, stream a bunch of stuff, if you have a household with multiple kids, you're going to need our big speed packages. Whoever's selling you this, they're well aware of what they're selling you, but you don't know what you're consuming. That's Tom Greta, who collaborated with Shalini for this story. In April of 2016, Shalini and Tom started investigating whether it's true that the bigger the number on your internet package, the better your experience using the internet. Shalini and Tom particularly wanted to figure this out because they saw another trend happening in the U.S. More and more people are paying a lot for internet. We were coming across people who had massive internet bills, and it's like, why would your internet bill be so big? And few people understand what they're getting. 
when they pay that bill. We have some numbers from this industry tracker called the Lightman Research Group, and they said that average monthly spending on internet bills in the U.S. was $66.25 last year, which was up 64% from 2010. So over the past decade, your internet bill has gone up 64%. And the question was, what speed do you actually need? And what do faster speeds do for you? When they first asked this question, it seemed like something they should be able to figure out. So they got cracking and quickly discovered if you want to measure your internet speed, there's an app for that. We found some app that would measure your data, and we thought this was going to be great. It was not perfect. It measured the device, and so it was like measuring your electrical usage at the lamp or the water usage at the faucet. Like, we needed to get to the source where your meter actually is. Basically, the app didn't do what they wanted. It only measured one device at a time, but Tom and Shalini wanted to measure all of the Internet being used in a household. Speed testing software is just such a debated area. There's armies of nerds who will tell you that what you did is wrong if you do it one way or if you do it the other way. So, like, once we kind of dug into this space, we're like, if we just measure it off your phone or something, the people will say, well, what about your computer? What about this? What about that? What about your other device? It didn't take long for us to realize that we probably needed an academic or someone who had expertise in this. We thought, okay, we need a a networking researcher who's, like, been looking at this and can create proprietary software for us. Bringing academics into reporting at The Wall Street Journal, it doesn't happen often. But this internet speed question, which started out as simple as, what am I paying for, it got a lot more complicated. So Shalini and Tom needed to call in the big guns. Nick Feimster, who's a very well-known researcher in this field, he was at Princeton recently and then went to UChicago. We found him because he's basically an expert who's summoned to hearings at the Federal Trade Commission, at the Federal Communications Commission, at all of these places where leaders thinking about Internet performance convene. So we reached out to him to ask him, well, can we measure this? Is it possible? And how long do you think it'll take? Now, of course, we initially thought it was going to be like three months. Um, and, but what ended up happening was that technical problems like this are really hard to solve. Like so hard to solve that Feimster and his team of researchers had to build custom software and hardware to put into people's homes and connect to their routers to track their internet usage and figure out how that related to the speeds they were paying for. The goal was to get as comprehensive a view as possible. We were looking for a variety of locations, whether it's states, regions, but also differences in the people who are using the service. Uh, We wanted single people, married people, families with kids, people with roommates. We wanted to make sure we captured all of that. So Tom and Shalini set out to recruit people who would let them measure their internet usage. The guinea pigs for this experiment, it was a big group of Wall Street Journal employees. How many people were part of this project? About 56 people were part of the project at different points in time. How did you recruit them? Lots of cold emails, phone calls to reporters and colleagues that we don't know. Our editor sent out notes to bureau chiefs around the country and said, hey, could you guys ask your reporters to fill in their speeds and providers? And a lot of reporters were like, "What? why are they asking for this? This seems personal. And, and, uh, and some, some great colleagues, you know, were happy to help out. 
Once Shalini and Tom had their research subjects, it was time for the participants to install the home-brewed setup. Did it feel somehow weirdly personal to be, like, installing devices in your colleagues' homes? Absolutely, it was. I mean, we had to, we talked with so many significant others, boyfriends, had a lot of conversations with people's wives and husbands who are like, we thought we'd be interfacing with the reporter, but they're they say, well, I, my wife handles all the cable stuff, so I'm going to kick it to her to install this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we, like, pretty quickly figured out that the best way to install this was through a video chat. And so it was became like FaceTime and Skyping. And so can't do that in the middle of the day because the people aren't home. So you're doing it, like, at night. Evenings and weekends, you're Skyping with your colleagues' spouses. Yeah, it it got quite personal sometimes. (laughs) We lost some people. (laughs) 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 There were people who gave up. I can't blame them. This project was a pain in the butt. The setup was not that hard. And I couldn't figure out how to do it, so I had to call Tom and turn him into Comcast tech support. There was a couple devices that we had to connect for this experiment. They were kind of weird looking <laughs> with antennas and everything and these blinking lights. My husband was not very keen about the whole thing, having a device in our house that will monitor everything we do. We had to do this experiment where we tried to max out the capacity. You had to change all the shows at various points in time, so it wasn't like you could just kick back and watch Raiders of the Lost Ark from beginning to end. This this wasn't really a couch potato activity. It was a living room science project. At one point, I was racing from our basement to our bedroom with a screaming child trying to stop and start televisions, and I have to say it was one of the least enjoyable experiences of my life. So let's get more into the details of how you did the testing. There were two kinds of testing, active and passive. What was passive like? The passive testing lasted about a little over three months. And what it just meant is when you're just streaming or watching TV or whatever, it's collecting your speed information from these set of applications that we had decided on. Netflix, YouTube, Amazon, and a a number of others. What that proprietary software that the researchers had made was looking at speeds and, and other sort of indicators of quality. So when passive testing, we're just measuring these indicators for your house based on whatever you're just normally doing. What was active testing? The active testing was like a stress test. We wanted to sort of max out the pipe of people's houses. We had people start a service and then start another service on another device and then on another device and another device. So you were layering it on top. And then we also had them just blast, like every device they had, stream everything at once for 10 minutes. Tom and Shalini were also subjects of their own experiment. First of all, I had to find seven devices, which was not that easy. I, you know, had my wife's cell phone. I had an old phone that I had working on Wi-Fi. I had two laptops. I had moved a desktop computer to our living room because I needed to stream over the TV. You get to this point where you feel like you're in like a Best Buy shopping for TVs, you know what I mean? Because there's so many screens. We wanted people to, to max out their pipe and use every bandwidth heavy thing that they could think of. And we, we basically just wanted to see if you pushed your pipe to the greatest capacity you could possibly think of in your house, using every single device, opening up tabs on your laptop, what happens? What happens to your internet when you stream TV shows and movies from seven different devices all at once? That comes after the break.
This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines. But are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier too. Join Holly Robinson-Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. We're back and returning to the results of Tom and Shalini's internet speed experiment. Certain people in Shalini and Tom's experiment pushed their internet by streaming as much as they possibly could at one time. And even then, most people streamed everything just fine, and they used only about 7 megabits per second of capacity on average. Just to put that in perspective, the majority of American homes today pay for speeds of 100 megabits per second or higher, according to industry research firm Kagan. Providers are pushing customers to upgrade even further, to go up to 200, 500, even 1,000 megabits per second. And in Tom and Shalini's stress test, no one, not even the most aggressive users, got past a median speed of 18 megabits per second. The overall median was just seven. So let's pretend the internet is like water. It's brought to your house via a physical pipe. Buying a faster package basically means you're buying a bigger pipe. But what Tom and Shalini found is that it doesn't really matter how big that pipe is because you only ever need a trickle out of it. People with speeds of over 100 megabits per second use an average of less than 6% of the broadband pipe they pay for. So one person with 300 megabits per second streamed at a median of 7.2 megabits per second during her seven-stream test. That was only using 2% of the capacity she pays for. Here she is using seven devices. Like, I can't imagine a scenario beyond the stress test in life in which you would use more. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is most networking experts say, you know what uses your full speed capacity? When you run a speed test (laughs) and you try to test for how fast your speed is, and that's when it it pushes a bunch of stuff into your pipe. But otherwise, it's actually kind of hard. I mean, sometimes you might use it as, say, you're downloading a bunch of stuff at once, maybe like 15 video games or something. That's where you will probably see, okay, there might be some benefit to me if I pay for a gigabit downloading that that 15-gigabyte file will be faster than if I pay for 15 megabits per second. But I guess you have to ask yourself, you know, how often are you downloading big files where that will will really make a difference? And if you had to summarize the findings of your investigation, what would it be in a sentence? If you're paying for a high-speed internet service, you likely don't need that high speed. The amount of speed you need to run a typical household, and you know, even if you want to, if six of you are streaming at once, is much lower than what you thought. It's not in the hundreds of megabits per second. It's not in gigabit. It's actually quite low. 
These results show something really different than what providers are telling us. The providers say, if you want to stream lots of videos, you need more speed. Tom and Shalini's experiment proved that's simply not true. But there are other ways to quantify our experience when we go online. It's not just about the sheer ability to stream seven videos at once. It's also about the quality of that experience. Like, for example, startup time, meaning the time it takes a video to start from the moment you click play. So they tested for that, too. Basically, what we found is the difference in start times for Netflix videos, Amazon, YouTube, across all these speeds from slowest to fastest was barely visible. So, for example, on Netflix, we found that the people who subscribe to the premium, more expensive 250 megabits per second and above packages only experience a benefit of 0.69 seconds faster load times than the people who are on the economy cheaper tiers of 55 megabits per second and slower. This is about the time in this experiment where you might say, hold up, I know you set up the proprietary software. I know you worked with Ivy League researchers, but when I want to watch a movie on Netflix or read an article on a news website, it's slow. And if it's not the internet speed, what is it? Well, there are a ton of things that can affect internet speed. Things like your device, whether your router is up to date, how far away you are from your router. And Tom and Shalini say you need to remember what your internet provider is able to do for you in the first place. When an internet service provider sells you 100 megas per second, what are they actually guaranteeing you or, say, or purporting to guarantee? They are saying that that line, whether it's cable or fiber, that line— To your house. To your house from—it's usually connected to some sort of neighborhood node, which is connected to other houses in your area. All of your houses— kind of hang off of one node. And then there are a bunch of different nodes all over the country that connect also to other central offices. What you're being guaranteed is only your link from your house to that neighborhood node. The rest of the internet is sort of up for grabs. There's a good metaphor for explaining what your internet provider is actually giving you. Imagine driving to work. The first step is getting out of your driveway. The next step is getting to the highway, which connects you to your office. In this metaphor, your internet provider controls your driveway. You need that driveway to connect to the bigger roads. But even if you have the fanciest driveway, it's not going to help you get to work any faster. It's just a driveway. You are buying access to your service provider's network. They do not have any control on what's going on in other parts of the internet. If there's a slow server in California, your spectrum internet connection in New York, no matter how fast it is, isn't going to help the problem in California. This Wall Street Journal investigation is the first experiment to conclude with strong evidence that the speed packages sold by internet companies are in almost all cases more internet speed than consumers could possibly ever use. The reporters also note that paying for higher speeds doesn't actually make your internet faster because your internet provider only controls a critical but small part of your internet experience. So what's gotten the industry to this point? One explanation is Americans are watching less cable TV and more Netflix. 
cord cutting is really affecting these cable and phone companies that provide you both internet and TV. People were starting to say, I don't want TV, I want to just stream a bunch of stuff. And it was forcing the providers to figure out, well, how do I make up for this decline in this cable TV side? And what's very different about the internet from cable TV is that for cable TV, you might call up the cable company and say, I want HBO, I want Showtime, I want another DVR or, or another outlet in my house. There, there are bells and whistles that you might pay for. But with the internet, those bells and whistles don't really exist. So companies are looking for ways to upgrade you. And that comes in the form of selling you higher speeds. So we reached out to the companies after we got our results, and they didn't contradict our reporting, but they said that the reason that they are giving faster speeds and continuing to market these fast speeds to consumers is that they see a future where homes will have lots and lots of connected devices using a lot of bandwidth, and these hugely fast speeds could be useful at that time. They, they talked about applications like online gaming, ultra HD streaming, 24-7 security cameras. When Tom and Shalini reached out for comment, the company said consumers do need fast speeds to support all the devices in their homes that are connected to the Internet. And that if consumers don't have that many now, they may in the future. But the researchers from the Wall Street Journal study say that having lots of devices and streaming a lot of content just doesn't have that big of an impact on bandwidth usage. I think the most important thing is that people just know what they're paying for. For me, I have 25 megabits per second, and I had to call my service provider to request this speed. The people who I spoke to definitely thought I was crazy because few people call and want a slower speed. But I've found that 25 has been more than enough for, for me and my wife, and we have three kids, and there's a decent amount of streaming and activity going on in our house. Hopefully, people just understand how internet speeds work a little bit better and will understand when a service provider is coming to them with an offer or they're signing up for service or they're changing their service. They'll understand what they're paying for and whether they're actually going to get any real benefit from making changes. Reporters at The Wall Street Journal are continuing to investigate internet pricing. Do cord cutters pay more for internet service? Do people in rural areas or of certain demographics pay more than others? Do some regions have more discounts? If you want to participate, send your bill and speed to checkmybill at wsj.com. We won't publish your personal information without your permission, but a Wall Street Journal reporter may contact you to verify the details. That's checkmybill at wsj.com. That's all for today, Wednesday, August 21st. See you on Friday.